Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 140 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, we'll start off the new year with some questions you can use as conversation starters for those special right-wingers in your life. They won't know what hit them. Let's get right into it. Perhaps you have a regular debating partner at the water cooler, and you want to start off 2009 by rocking them back on their heels. Or... Maybe there's a right-winger you've been meaning to engage in dialogue, but just haven't had a good icebreaker for. Old right-winger, new right-winger, doesn't matter. Jack to the rescue. Here are five questions you can pick and choose from, all guaranteed to set you up for a nice argumentation victory over that special person of the rightward persuasion. The questions encompass the areas of consumer safety, health care, human development, economic power, and the survival of our very democracy. Sound intriguing? Here you go, question number one. Are you happy that one-third of the toys sold in the U.S. are contaminated with dangerous chemicals harmful to children? Sources for this question are the Environmental News Service and the New York Times. Chemicals like lead, mercury, cadmium, and arsenic, quote, have been associated with reproductive problems, developmental and learning disabilities, hormone problems, and cancer, close quote, or have been singled out by regulatory agencies as problematic. Well, a Michigan nonprofit, the Ecology Center, tested 1,500 toys this holiday season. One in three of them contained medium or high levels of these chemicals. The worst product is children's jewelry, especially low-cost items. It's not just toys from China, but from other countries, and even those made in the U.S. If you're concerned about something you bought, the Ecology Center's website, healthytoys.org, allows you to check for info on specific products. Here's the crux of the matter. It flows from what an Ecology Center researcher said, quote, Our hope is that by empowering consumers with this information, manufacturers and lawmakers will feel the pressure to start phasing out the most harmful substances immediately and to change the nation's laws to protect children from highly toxic chemicals. You see, there are millions of toys on the market. The Ecology Center could only test a small fraction. That's why the laws have to be changed and the regulatory agencies given ample funding to do their job. The free market just ain't going to do it. Maybe right-wingers all have chemical testing labs in their homes, but most of us don't. Unfortunately for the rest of us, here's the right-wing position, as you've heard before, succinctly stated by our friend Rush Limbaugh. Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. One of Roosevelt's policies that lives on is a robust regulatory structure to protect the public's health. Right-wingers want no part of that. If you listen to a right-winger, they make it sound like, before the New Deal, private industry and groups were handling things just fine. There were no dangerous toys or other harmful consumer products on the market due to this most excellent self-regulation of the free market. Then the horrible liberals decided that they wanted to run everything, be in charge, So they set up these unnecessary regulatory agencies to take over and shove aside the non-governmental players. 
destroying the regulatory apparatus is therefore a good thing, because then private industry can start doing a good job again protecting the public. So it's great Bush has drastically cut funds for the Consumer Product Safety Commission. There was at one time, and maybe still is, only one full-time toy inspector for the entire country. Of course, this right-wing mythology, like virtually everything they say, is totally wrong. Regulatory agencies arose exactly because the free market and industry self-regulation were not taking care of the problems. Starting back with the establishment of the Food and Drug Administration to address horrifically unsanitary practices in the meatpacking industry, the pattern has been a problem calling out for a solution and the public supporting a federal regulatory agency is the answer. Denying there's a problem in the first place is a time-honored right-wing tactic. Recognize it and counter it with the truth. Okay, here's a second question you can pose to your acquaintance of the rightward persuasion. Do you think that one in three Canadians or Frenchmen or Germans are forced to skip doctor visits and medications because they can't afford it? Sources for this question include the Associated Press, Reuters, the New York Times, USA Today, and Business Week magazine. The headline and subhead of a recent AP story tell you the sad tale. Sick economy has patients skimping on meds. One in three have put off needed doctor visits and tests, new poll shows. Here's the lead paragraph, quote, The ailing economy is leading many Americans to skip doctor visits, skimp on their medicine, and put off mammograms, pap smears, and other tests. And physicians worry the result will be sicker patients who need even more costly treatment in the long run. In other words, increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. So says the poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Things are rapidly getting worse, as one family physician from Boise, Idaho put it, Quote, the longer it goes and the more skipped visits, the greater the opportunity there will be for bad outcomes. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Close quote. Not according to right-wingers. Problem? Who has a problem? I mean, people have access to health care in America. After all, just go to an emergency room. Does the right-winger you're speaking to also believe there's no problem? If so, then make them aware of these three numbers from various studies. Tell him or her that 12,000 American babies unnecessarily die every year because our infant mortality rate is so much higher than European countries like France, Germany, and Italy, all of which have national health care systems. Tell him or her that 18,000 Americans needlessly die every year from late diagnosis or inadequate care due to our not having a national health care system. Tell him or her that overall over a hundred thousand Americans would live, not die, every year if our health care system performed as well as the top nations. And, as the family physician indicated, these numbers are going to get much worse unless something is done. If you really want to pulverize your conversational partner, you can make some additional points. The United States is the only developed nation without a guarantee of health care for all of its citizens. We already spend up to double the amount per person of most other nations on health care. In other words, they cover everyone for half the cost. So we should easily be able to cover everyone here in the U.S. quite nicely at no additional cost beyond what we're already spending. And 
Much to the right's chagrin, the public overwhelmingly supports a federal guarantee of health care for every American. We're not talking socialized medicine where the government owns the hospitals and employs the doctors. We're talking about single payer, where you pick the doctor, hospital, etc. The government pays. Medicare for all. Your right-wing acquaintance may start in with, oh, there are long waits for care, etc., etc. Maybe even give you a horrific anecdote. Problem is, anecdotes can mislead. That radical left journal Businessweek studied the issue and concluded that weights are no longer in countries with a national health care system than here in the U.S. And if you want an anecdote of your own, here's what Paige from Calgary, Alberta, Canada wrote in to tell me. She was diagnosed with cancer. My care since diagnosis has been excellent. I've received prompt follow-up and diagnostic exams, CT, MRIs, PET. My family doctor and oncologist have been extremely supportive, even calling me after office hours to see how I'm doing. I've had access to provincially covered chemotherapy treatments, although the medication for the side effects, nausea, etc. have not been covered, as well as having individual, couple, family, and group counseling available at no charge. Honestly, the biggest challenge has been paying for parking, so I really don't complain. Close quote. I send, and you can send as well if you like, much prayer, light, love, and good vibrations to Paige for a complete recovery. And to all people suffering a lack of good health, that's my hope and goal. Is it the right-wing hope and goal as well? If they claim it is, ask what is their specific plan. We already have a free market healthcare system. We need something better. How exactly will what they're suggesting help those who can't afford care? Right-wing offerings such as tax credits and health savings accounts are irrelevant to such people, especially for catastrophic illnesses where expenses can run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Up next, more of your cavalcade of questions for conservatives. How about we expand the scope a bit for your third question? You can ask your conservative comrade, Do you believe in helping children avoid a life of crime and otherwise becoming a burden on society? The main source for this question is the New York Times. There's a body of research showing that, quote, Each dollar devoted to the nurturing of young children can eliminate the need for far greater government spending on remedial education, teenage pregnancy, and prisons, close quote. In addition to being a good financial investment for society as a whole, quality preschools will obviously also reduce the misery, suffering, pain, and death that these young people themselves will experience. That's what's important to me, the effect on flesh and blood humans. Currently, America's early childhood efforts are terribly fragmented and inadequately funded. 
the progressive solution is a comprehensive national plan. Obama seems on board. His platform endorsed the good investment logic. Quote, For every one dollar invested in high-quality, comprehensive programs supporting children and families from birth, there is a seven to ten dollar return to society in decreased need for special education services, higher graduation and employment rates, less crime, less use of the public welfare system, and better health, close quote. And Obama said he would, quote, establish a presidential early learning council to coordinate federal, state, and local policies, quadruple financing for early head start, provide federal challenge grants for states to use for early care and education programs, and expand home visiting programs for low-income mothers, close quote. The funding? Ten billion dollars. That's the largest federal effort designed to help young children since Head Start was begun in 1965. Sound good to you? It does to me. And to those who've devoted their lives to nurturing our deprived little ones? They're, shall we say, somewhat happy about it. Quote, Many advocates are a-tremble with anticipation over Mr. Obama's espousal of early childhood education. People are absolutely ecstatic, said Cornelia Grumman, executive director of the First Five Years Fund, an advocacy group. Some people seem to think the great society is upon us again, close quote. Obama's reps have said that the nation's financial situation won't result in any major scale back in this arena. Now, right-wing opposition to such efforts goes back to at least Richard Nixon. In 1971, he vetoed legislation providing for universal child care. He argued that the bill, quote, would commit the vast moral authority of the national government to decide of communal approaches to child rearing over against a family-centered approach, close quote. Right-wingers have since steadfastly opposed such programs. While Bill Clinton pushed through an early Head Start program, federal funding has dropped, no surprise in this, while George W. Bush has been president. So here's a good litmus test for right-wing hardcoreness. Ronald Reagan said, I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Does the right-winger you're speaking with think that the government providing resources to protect and nurture these little children is something scary, a thing to be terrified of? For problems way too large for private charity to ever handle, we need hands joined together in the form of a national federal effort. This is the case with early childhood education. Okay, question number four you can put in your arsenal. Should employers be able to fire workers with virtual impunity just because the workers are trying to organize a union? Now they can. Your sources for this question include MediaMatters.org, Human Rights Watch, AmericanRightsAtWork.org, the website of the United Steelworkers, and the Washington Times. Technically, under current law, employers are forbidden from firing workers for trying to organize a union. The problem is, the penalties are so small as to be meaningless. Can you believe this? The only penalty the employer incurs is back pay, and maybe not even that. The employer can subtract from the back pay any earnings of the worker after they were fired. As a report from Human Rights Watch put it, quote, Many employers have come to view remedies like back pay for workers fired because of union activity as a routine cost of doing business, well worth it to get rid of organizing leaders and derail workers' organizing efforts. 
As a result, a culture of near impunity has taken shape in much of U.S. labor law and practice. Close quote. You should know that instead of outright firings, employers sometimes will unilaterally change for the worse wages and benefits of the organizing workers, or illegally threaten to close the business or move it out of the country if a union is formed. There's definitely a climate of fear. Nearly 8 in 10 workers agreed in a poll that workers are very or somewhat likely to be fired for trying to organize a union. The solution to this problem is found in the Employee Free Choice Act. You've heard about that bill before on Blast the Right. That was in the context of right-wingers lying and saying it would eliminate secret ballot elections. It does not. It merely takes away from the employer and gives back to the employees the right to determine whether the union organizing process will be done by secret ballot or by signing of union organizing cards. This same Employee Free Choice Act addresses the illegal firing issue by increasing the monetary penalty for illegal firings and other mistreatment because of union organizing. The penalty is raised to three times back pay, plus it also provides for civil fines of up to $20,000 for illegal interference with workers' rights to join a union, for example, threatening to close the business or move, worsening conditions of employment, spying on union organizers, and of course the illegal firings. And last but not least, the Employee Free Choice Act gives workers the same type of right to seek injunctions against illegal behavior by employers that employers now enjoy against unions. So workers will be able to more easily get cease and desist orders to stop the illegal employer activity in its tracks, as opposed to having the union organizing efforts destroyed and then suing afterwards. Another litmus test for you to employ. Here's Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The royalists I have spoken of, the royalists of the economic order, have conceded that political freedom was the business of the government, but they have maintained that economic slavery was nobody's business. They granted that the government could protect the citizen in his right to vote, but they denied that the government could do anything to protect the citizen in his right to work and his right to live. Today, Today we stand committed to the proposition that freedom is no half-and-half half affair. If the average citizen is guaranteed equal opportunity in the polling place, he must have equal opportunity in the marketplace. While you're discussing whether workers should enjoy the protections of the Employee Free Choice Act, quote FDR to your friendly local right-winger. If they call FDR a commie, a socialist, or the like, again, you know you've probably got a real hardcore right-winger on your hands, their soul probably beyond hope, at least in this lifetime. For their sake, let's hope that reincarnation is true and that there'll be additional lifetimes for that soul to gain its wings. On that spiritual note, coming up, question number five to ask the regressively thinking. 
Stick around. Left, the right, the right. Left, left the right, the right. Your one-minute voting report. Thank you for the continuing stream of five-star reviews in the iTunes Music Store. We're hanging in there on the News and Politics featured page. Being there means people looking in iTunes for a progressive podcast see Blast the Right first thing. You only have to write a review once. It stays up there forever, countering the one-star sabotage reviews. So, if you haven't yet done so, now would be the perfect time to go show your support for Blast the Right and help spread the progressive word. Over at Podcast Alley, we're solidly in the top 10 so far this month. Voting is on a monthly basis there, so if you can, please do go over to PodcastAlley.com and vote for Blast the Right. Thanks. Here's a fifth question you can toss out for your right-wing playmate to catch. Do you think the president should have the power to declare any U.S. legal resident or citizen, including you, an enemy combatant, and hold you forever without bringing charges? George Bush thinks he should have that power. Sources for this question are various articles and editorials in the New York Times. Ali al-Mari is a citizen of Qatar. He was in the U.S. legally. The Bush administration declared him an enemy combatant in 2003. Since then, he's been held in near isolation in a Navy brig. The issue here isn't his guilt or innocence, it's whether or not he has to be charged with something and tried, or can just be held forever without charges being brought. A three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit ruled that the government cannot hold Mr. Mari or any civilian merely at the President's command. But the full circuit reversed 5-4 to four and said Mr. Mari could be held indefinitely. What's at stake here? As various New York Times editorials put it, quote, The Bush administration has been waging a fierce battle for the power to lock people up indefinitely simply on the president's say-so. The decision gives the president sweeping power to deprive anyone, citizens as well as non-citizens, of their freedom. The Federal Appeals Court made clear that its ruling upholding the president's power to detain enemy combatants applies equally to American citizens. If the ruling stands, presidents would be able to throw out due process, habeas corpus, and other basic constitutional and statutory rights for anyone they declared to have terrorist ties. Close quote. All the circuit court judges who voted to support the Bush position were appointed by Republicans. All who voted against were appointed by Democrats. You see how important the lower courts are. The president picks judges for the lower courts. And now the Supreme Court will be hearing this case. You see how important the Supreme Court is. Picking non-right-wing fanatics to sit on the bench was one of the most important reasons for voting for Obama. In fact, even before he picks justices for the Supreme Court or lower courts, this case itself has shaped up as a critical early test for Obama. His administration's brief in the Almari case is due on February 20th, less than a month after Obama takes office. Obama has consistently made broad statements criticizing Bush administration positions on expanded executive powers. The New York Times is thankfully putting pressure on Obama. 
It ran as its lead front page story recently the following quote, The new administration's brief has the potential to harden or infuriate Mr. Obama's supporters, many of whom are looking to him for stark disavowals of the Bush administration's legal positions on the detention and interrogation of so-called enemy combatants held at naval facilities on the American mainland or at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Close quote. The paper's quote of the day was from New York Law School professor Brant Goldstein. Quote, if they adopt the Bush administration position or some version of it, it's going to be a moment of profound disappointment for everyone in the legal community and Americans generally who believe that the Bush administration has tried to turn the presidency into a monarchy. Close quote. Do you remember that Bush once joked about being dictator? If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> you know, I just don't see how anyone, even the most crazed right-winger, could support such a presidential power. The court ruling doesn't say only Republicans can wield it. It's available for the socialist palling around with terrorist Obama to use as well. Before the election, I figured maybe right-wingers are assuming that with GOP electronic vote cheating, etc., there'll never be another Democratic president, so no worries. But hey, right-wingers, Obama won. What if Obama thinks? Isn't Rush Limbaugh supporting terrorism? I think he is. Why don't I just declare him an enemy combatant, throw him in the cooler, and leave him there forever with no effective means to challenge his detention? Well, Mr. or Ms. Right-Winger, that could actually happen to you right now if the Supreme Court goes the wrong way. Are you really comfortable having a president you detest wielding such undemocratic, monarchical power? No president should have such power. So there you have it. Questions about five critically important issues that'll be high on the national agenda in 2009. To review, here are the questions for your friendly local right-winger you just heard. 1. Are you happy that one-third of the toys sold in the U.S. are contaminated with dangerous chemicals harmful to children? 2. Do you think that one in three Canadians or Frenchmen or Germans are forced to skip doctor visits and medications because they can't afford it? 3. Do you believe in helping children avoid a life of crime and otherwise becoming a burden on society? 4. Should employers be able to fire workers with virtual impunity just because the workers are trying to organize a union? And 5. Do you think the president should have the power to declare any U.S. legal resident or citizen including you, an enemy combatant, and hold you forever without bringing charges. Given the current state of affairs in the country and the world, I could come up with a million other questions. There will be much to talk about in the weeks and months to come. In the meantime, please continue to do your part in both pushing back against the right and pushing Obama forward in a progressive direction. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right, both for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley, and of course, if you haven't already done so, write a five-star review for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. A special shout-out to you if you're listening on Live 365 or RedDragon365.com. Great to have you on board. Why don't you come over to the podcast homepage, subscribe for free, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. And now a word from another progressive podcaster. These people are all libs. Every day he tells dozens of them. I don't know any more than what I'm telling you, other than I lie. Oh, so that's it. Every day I'm going to expose one. I just flat out freaking lie. You, you idiot. 
the Rush Limbaugh Live of the Day with your host, Joseph Lyles, five days a week at cgradio.net. You can't handle the truth! Music credits. The break music was One Big Union by Matthew Grimm and the Red Smear. The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternate Blast the Right theme by Nye's Music. And Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Just What the Idiots Want by Demolitus. I just love this song. Go listen to the entire thing. And it does look like Palin may run for Senate. Senator Palin. Wow. Links to all the music I play on Blaster Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. I'm also now posting transcripts of each show. All of those can be found linked to from the podcast homepage. A special shout out to radio talk show host extraordinaire Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh and Ronald Reagan audio clips. Your email continues to be terrific. I have fallen at least a month behind in responding. I will answer you if you wrote in. And you can continue to write in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. Another way to leave a message is on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Restaurant.